Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I was not with you live last week because I was traveling and I miss you all. But every time I travel, I record, I pre-record through the Station of the Cross, a fresh program for you. So it's always new and fresh, but not always live. But here we are back in Tulsa in the Priory, and I'm coming to you live through the Station of the Cross and live streamed on the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. I am thrilled thrilled to be with you and i pray that your i know advent is certainly coming to a close it, it's hard to believe that tomorrow is christmas eve already it really it for me it's it's an amazing thing how fast it goes for children it it's not fast enough i understand that um but it's been so beautiful and um for those of you on our mailing list i know i've got many calls where's your newsletter all of that We did send the newsletter out uh, for those on our email list and those who also uh, have given us their regular mailing address. That will go out probably um, today, (laughs) probably today. It's at the mailing house and it it should go out today and hopefully hopefully you'll have it uh, next week. Um, I, I always wish to get it to you for Christmas, but... There's so much involved, and this especially is going to be a little uh, parcel that you're going to get rather than a newsletter in an envelope because there's a DVD in it and and a couple of special things. So, um, And for us, you know, beloved, Christmas begins Christmas Eve. For many people, Christmas is over on Christmas Day or the day before or that weekend. For us, it begins Christmas Eve, not before. Our entire priory is still dressed in purple, not a sign of Christmas anywhere, but um, we will do that tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, we'll spend the day taking the purple down and, and putting Christmas up. And it begins tomorrow with the coming of the Christ child um, on Christmas Eve. And for us, it ends as it did traditionally on Candle Mass. That is the presentation of that little Christmas baby in the manger, the presentation of him according to the law of Moses in the temple on February 2nd. That is the extent of Christmas. I know many people have shortened it to Epiphany or John, the Feast of John the Baptist, but traditionally uh, it was the presentation of our Lord in the temple according to the law of Moses where the parents would bring a sacrificial offering. And it's, it's just magnificent for us. February 2nd is our number one feast day of the year and happens to be also the day that John Paul II um, consecrated as the day of consecrated life for all religious. So it's a a wonderful feast. And um, many churches, I wish all of them did, had processions, processions with candles to show that the light of the world has indeed come. But now we are on the last day of Advent, and tomorrow is Christmas Eve. So it's truly, truly wonderful. Now, if um, 
if you haven't received our newsletter, if you'd like to be on our mailing list, um, I only mention this a few times a year, you can go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org. Um, that's not the website of the Station of the Cross or Live Sites News, but of our uh, little religious community, which is Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. You can go to that website, click on Newsletters, and you'll see right on the top there uh, where and how you could subscribe, either email or snail mail, as we call it, or both. It's not an issue to us. Um, we almost wish everyone had the newsletter by regular mail. I know it costs postage, but um, we usually include things that uh, the email does not have. Um, although all of you who get it by email, you're not going to receive that DVD unless you also have your snail mail. But you can call us and say, I didn't get it. Could you send it? And we will. <clears throat> There's no charge. So absolutely. But I'm bringing it up because in the newsletter which also contains the very first letter for Mary's oblates, the Benedictine oblates of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We've included the very first uh, newsletter in our Christmas newsletter, so it's a, it's a packed little package. And in that, um, and in the newsletter, I found um, a story online. It's a true story. It's written by Michael Matt, the editor of The Remnant. Um, just a, a wonderful Catholic man and family. And he, some years ago, wrote a little story. It's a true story. It's a story of their family tradition from their father and grandfather and great-grandfather and all the way back. And he titled it Waiting for the Christ Child. And this would be all through Advent. <clears throat> it's quite appropriate for today. So it's beautiful, beloved. And... Um, you can also go, uh, you'll get it in the newsletter because I've printed it. You can also go onto our website, click on newsletter, or even on our homepage and download it, and you'll get the story there if you'd like to read it to your family. It's so beautiful, and I'm going to read it to you now. Michael Matt says, very personal here, he says, each year around Christmas time, we post this short personal Christmas reflection, um, which offers an alternative custom to the celebration of the great feast. Michael says uh, he wrote it some years ago, and every year since, he says, I receive email from new visitors to this site, gently chastising the remnant for not posting it earlier in Advent so as to allow time for families to adopt as their own some of the customs herein suggested. So, beloved, I'm reading it to you on the last day of Advent. I know that's not so good. But um, actually, tomorrow would be the last day of Advent, going into Christmas Eve. Um, <clears throat> So I'm reading it to you now, and if you can get it or, or print it out or keep it for next year's customs, it would be fantastic. It'll change the life of your family. Um, Michael says, over the years, um, many Catholic families have adopted the old Christ child tradition, believing it to be a beautiful means of restoring the true meaning of Christmas while strengthening Catholic identity in children. <clears throat> I've always said, beloved, this is my own little comment here, it's not a matter of religion uh, in the sense that you go to church every Sunday or they're in CCD classes or you celebrate in some way the major holy days. 
it's a matter of identity. It's Catholic identity. It's who you are. Your children are children of the King, of the God of the universe. They've been put on this earth um, uh, for a mission to extend the kingdom. I love the idea of Catholic identity in children. And it can be gradually implemented, of course. Out of respect for her childhood tradition, Michael says, my wife and I still invite Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, to visit our home on Christmas morning, but in a dramatically reduced capacity, perhaps leaving a few stocking stuffers above the mantle and moving on. Christmas is all about midnight and Christmas Eve and the Christ child. And a truly happy, holy, and merry Christmas remains forever predicated on careful observance of Advent. No Christmas trees, no lights, no good things to eat until December 25th, when the time of waiting comes to an end, and all of Christendom rejoices over an event so magnificent, even a two-year-old will never forget it. Christ is to be born, and the world, the flesh, and the devil will never change that reality, no matter how hard they try. Happy holidays? Yeah, right, Michael says. A fruitful advent to all visitors of the remnant where this was written. Hold on, please. Michael says, this will be the fourth Christmas since my father, that's Michael's father, passed away. I suppose everyone misses deceased family members most this time of year. I know I do. My father loved Christmas. I sometimes, Michael is speaking, I sometimes wonder, in fact, what impact his larger-than-life celebrations of the birth of Christ had on the faith of his nine children each of whom continues to practice the old faith to this day. Oh, beloved, when I hear that, my, my family had nine children, seven children, 12 children. It's so, and they're all Catholic today, and they're all passing it on to their children. That's just what God wanted, beloved. It's beautiful. How does it happen? It happens by living an authentic Catholic identity, an authentic Catholic not life, not just what you do, but what you are. Michael goes on to say his father um, believed that just as Advent, which is the mini Lent, was to be kept well with plenty of spiritual and corporal works of mercy, so too should Christmas be feted with all the merrymaking and gusto a Catholic family can muster. That's wonderful, beloved. Michael continues to say that his father knew that children are not born theologians who can grasp the intricacies of the great mysteries of faith at an early age. The faith needed to be lovingly spoon-fed to them. And so the childlike customs of Christmas were there for him tailor-made. The childlike customs of Christmas were for him tailor-made to instill love for the faith before children were old enough to even begin to understand it. What a shame it is, then, to see well-meaning traditional Catholic parents discarding those customs altogether in a misguided effort to counter the commercialization of Christmas. No gift-giving, no merrymaking, no feasting on Christmas. Alas, 
the baby is being thrown out with the bathwater. I agree. <clears throat> In a dreary world where pessimism and cynicism rather than righteousness and peace have kissed each other, we must guard against robbing our children of the wonder and joy of Christmas, the seedbed for a child's faith. Our poor children, Michael continues, our poor children may live long enough to see Christmas outlawed altogether in our brave new world, even as it was once before by the pilgrims who invented Thanksgiving out of contempt for the popish feast of Christmas. The popish feast of Christmas. Anti-Catholics have long sought to destroy our great feast, which is why we must be certain that in our eagerness to oppose the commercialization of Christmas, we don't become puritanical agents working toward the same diabolical end. This is strong, <clears throat> but it does speak to some of the issues of today, beloved. Many Catholics, Michael says... Um, oppose the custom of Santa Claus. I'll tell you that personally. When I was in my Protestant years, I used to pass lawns and saw snowmen and Santa Claus and all that, and and I knew that it was all paganism, and it was mostly Catholics, and because I figured they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, oy vey! And when I saw Protestants have Santa Claus and reindeers and sleighs and all that, I said, oh, they can't be. They're Christian in name. They can't be truly Christian. I even thought that. The whole world was given back to me when I became Catholic. The whole world. And God as he truly is. Um, Many Catholics oppose the custom of Santa Claus, Michael continues, that that somewhat off-putting caricature of the great St. Nicholas. Admittedly, the red suit the corpulent figure and the stocking cap bear striking, strikingly slim resemblance to the 4th century bishop of Myrna, Myra. And the flying sleigh and reindeer are more reminiscent of pagan myth than Christian truth. But few have thought to pro- provide a good alternative to the jolly old elf. So I'd like, Michael says, to offer one now by reintroducing readers to the old Catholic Christmas custom that the Germans called Christkind. C-R-I-S-T-K-I-N-D, one word, Christkind, or Christ child. And that American children of European immigrants would call simply the baby Jesus. Here is what I remember. And so Michael says, looking back, it all began in Advent when my seven sisters and brother, uh, let me get to the top of the page, when my seven sisters and brother were expected to prepare for the coming of Christkind, pronounced Christkind, rather Christkind, under mother's watchful eye, we'd fashion a small makeshift manger that would remain unoccupied until Christmas Day. As Advent progressed, Good deeds were encouraged on a daily basis, and each time it was determined that a good deed had been done, one piece of straw was placed in the empty manger, the idea being that Advent was a time to prepare a bed on which the baby Jesus could sleep when he arrived. Under the rules of the old custom, 
the practice of virtue was an essential part of a child's preparation for Christmas. Each night after supper, the lights would be turned down while Advent wreath candles were lit. The haunting strains of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel would be lifted somewhat awkwardly, I suppose, on the voices of children. Shadows and flickering flames played on faces across the dining room table, making it easier for a child to imagine that he sat with the Israelites of old, waiting for the Messiah to come. I have chills as I read this. I've read it three times. I put it on newsletter. I'm reading it again now, and I have chills. I think this is exquisitely beautiful. Michael continues, as the four weeks passed, seemingly as slowly as those 4,000 years, one question became constant. Have my sacrifices been enough to please Chris Kent? And thus, the weeks of Advent were spent in preparation and waiting as they should be. Gradually, the empty major would fill with straw as the stage was set for a celestial visitor. On the evening of December 23rd, my father would hang a curtain over the doorway of our living room. 23rd now, that would have been, that's tonight. Excuse me which, if that straw was piled high enough, was to be transformed into the Christmas room by the baby Jesus himself in the middle of the night. Then it was off to sleep, a seemingly impossible prospect. The Christmas Eve mornings, I remember, are marked by a combination of joy and wonder. Children still in their jammies would scarcely whisper the words to a curiously exhausted mother, Did he come? All day long, we weren't allowed to go near the curtain. You see, in the traditional uh, manner, beloved, the vigil uh, of a feast is the entire previous day. So it doesn't begin after sundown on the 24th. It begins in the morning, the entire Christmas day. So the children would wake up Christmas Eve morning, and say, did he come? All day long, we weren't allowed to go near the curtain, lest one of us should succumb to the temptation to peek, which would be to risk the instant disappearance of whatever Christkind may have brought. A lifetime of self-discipline was taught between dawn and dusk on Christmas Eve. After a day of chores, naps, and helping with the house cleaning, the anticipated hour of 7 o'clock would finally arrive. We'd gather in the back room and sing Christmas carols in candlelight as our mother would read aloud the story that always began the same way, quote, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, end quote. We listened as Father disappeared into the Christmas room to take down the curtain and see to the final arrangements for the holy ritual. Only he was worthy to take over for Christkind. The wait seemed interminable. Then all at once, his voice would call out from the darkness, Come, children, Christkind has come. Breathlessly, we'd make our candle-lit procession from the back room to the living room, singing the words of the old German carol as we went 
I'm not going to be able to uh, repeat this. Ihr Christlin Comet, O Comet doch all. Sehr creepy, er Comet in Bethlehem Stall. I'm sorry, beloved, that's the best I can do with German. And Michael continues, We gather round my father, who now was kneeling in front of the nativity scene. We do our best not to crane our necks and look at the darkened Christmas tree or whatever might be lying beneath it. Each child placed a crib figure into the creche. And the youngest put the baby in his manger. Then prayers were said. Christmas carols were quietly sung. Deceased family were remembered. And Father spoke of the marvelous thing that had happened long ago at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. I can still see the cast of Bethlehem, Michael continues. I can still see the cast of Bethlehem bathed in a warm, peaceful glow, seeming as real to me as if I were shepherd boy looking down from that hillside over <clears throat> over Bethlehem. I can hear my father and mother's hushed voices as they prayed and sang to the same royal baby that shepherds and angels had adored centuries ago. That sacred moment was like a porthole in time where traveling back to the city of David just then seemed not only possible to a child, but imminent. <clears throat> Beloved, I'm still a goosebump. I'm a cold goosebump. I, I, this is so exquisitely beautiful to me. Can you imagine your children soaking this in and not even seeing a Christmas tree lit, not seeing the gifts, but only walking in procession to the crib where the Christ child will be placed. It's so, and singing songs and hymns. It's so beautiful. Michael says, those long ago Christmas Eves remain vivid in my memory 35 years later. And the gifts under the tree, I don't remember many of them. There was no question what Christmas was about. We could feel it in the depths of our young souls. We could see it in the tears that formed in our father's eyes as he prayed aloud. We could hear it in our mother's voice as she sang softly, silent night, holy night, all is calm. Christmas was about the baby, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels, and Bethlehem. It was something so powerful that it could even cause our father's voice to tremor in the darkness as he explained who the baby is and what he expects of us. We knew that Christkin was real because our father and mother were kneeling on the floor before the manger, praying to him. Moments later, the magic of Christmas, the feast the Catholic family celebration burst forth in jubilation. The majestic tree was lit. There was singing and dancing, bowls of nuts and candies, specially delivered by the baby Jesus himself, seemed to appear out of nowhere. And there under the tree were the gifts, the second to last phase of the ritual. He'd come. He'd brought little rewards for our Advent efforts, 
the family was together, united in love for each other, and a child king we cherished with all our hearts. You must understand, Michael says, my parents had no money, and yet somehow Christmas came year after year, and it was fit for a king. That was part of the miracle. But this was just the beginning. The toys and good things to eat were set aside to be enjoyed on each and every one of the 12 days of Christmas. Now, the soul of Christmas Eve was about to be celebrated. Coats and hats, mittens and scarves were the next order of business. The old station wagon groaned in the frosty night air as Father turned the key in the ignition. Nine children were loaded up, and moments later the little ones peered through frosted glass in the hopes of catching a glimpse of Bethlehem's star on the way to Midnight Mass. It would be Christmas Day before this night would draw to a peaceful close in a dimly lit church filled with the scent of pine needles and candle wax and incense. Not long before the first Christmas Day, light of Christmas Day glowed in the east. Sleepy children <clears throat> would crawl into chilly beds as content as ever a child could be this side of heaven's gate. And why not? Christ is born. Oh, beloved, that the world knew it will know if we live what God has given us, dear ones. There's the music for our break. We'll be right back after the break. Call in with anything that's on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483. This is Father Jacek Mazer. Please join me in a prayer honoring the baptism of our Lord. Almighty, eternal God, when the Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan, you revealed him as your own beloved Son. Keep us, your children, born of water and the Spirit, faithful to our calling. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Love learning more about the Church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our Church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Dominus et vobis et cum the Christ child this time of year. Consider growing deeper in your faith by listening to our powerful network-produced programs, available as free podcasts through our website and mobile app. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. 
to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Excuse me to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. It's so good um, to um, so good to be with you, dear ones. Um, I've been reading a story um, of the uh, history, not the uh, the celebration, the traditions of Advent and Christmas by Michael Matt of the Remnant. It's so beautiful, beloved. I I want to continue the story um, with you. Um, And Michael says, and so it continues. The years have passed. I'm going to continue the story and then take take your calls, beloved. Um, There's not too much left. The years have passed by so quickly since those childhood days that I can scarcely believe that the five little ones who process into my living room each Christmas Eve are my own, that my beloved father and one sister are no longer with us, and that the rest of us have aged more than we care to admit. But strangely enough, the baby Jesus remains unchanged and unchanging, ever young, ever new. He's the same now as he was then. My children's imaginations are as captivated by him now as mine was then. Life is moving on, but somehow Christmas is the one thing that stays the same. Needless to say, his midnight visit on Christmas Eve is the high point of the year for my children, Michael now writes. Why? Because as I see it, this old European Christmas custom is profoundly Catholic. There is nothing plastic banana or phony baloney about it. Children are neither taught to equate Christmas with wicked consumerism or godless puritanism. They are taught the mystery of the birth of Christ and the importance of celebrating the feast. Advent is a most essential part of the process, even as Midnight Mass is its climax. Even now, Michael says, my own children, walking in the footsteps of their little Catholic counterparts from the old world, are trading daily acts of kindness and virtue for little pieces of straw that are lovingly tucked away into an empty manger. For one night, one night soon, the child of Bethlehem will transform their home and their souls into a place fit for a king. For a few miraculous moments, life will stand perfectly still, and the line between the physical world and the spiritual one will become mercifully obscured. Chris Kint creates in children an indissoluble bond between the joy of Christmas, which celebrates his birth, and the Catholic faith itself, which is his, his greatest gift. <clears throat> In real Christmas cheer, the two become one, and the proper celebration of the holy day plants seeds of faith in the little garden of children's souls, even as they shout for joy. As they grow older, their faith in Christkind 
transforms itself naturally into belief in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, the true meaning of Christmas. There is no deceit in the Christkind custom, for indeed there is no deceit in the Christkind. He does come down to earth on Christmas Eve. His providence his providence provides everything we need in this life, and he exists just as surely as we do. He was born. He has a mother whom we all know and love, and he comes to us often at Mass, Christ's Mass. He comes to us at Christmas. Has fallen man ever had more reason for feast or feasting than this? Let us be glad and rejoice. Merry Christmas to one and all. Christ is born. And Michael ends by saying, May the grace of Christkind be with all the readers of the remnant this Christmas, and may he bless one and all with a happy and holy new year. And of course, we wish the same for all the listeners of the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. Now, we have a call from a very patient Nellie in Ottawa, Canada. Hello, Nellie. Hello, good, blessed morning, and happy Advent season, Mother uh, Miriam. Um, it's been a while. I moved away from the convent back into the city. I've been talking to you over the time, but... Oh, I, I know, Ellie. No, I know, dear <laughs> Nellie. Happy Advent <laughs> and Christmas to you. Christmas Eve coming up real quickly. Yes, uh, most beautiful, joyous time for me. That uh, letter or uh, uh, you were reading of that mm. gentleman... I would absolutely implore him to put that into a book. That is well, it just touches isn't my it heart. magnificent? I'm glad I have the same uh, response, Nellie. And again, um, you can download it from the remnant in the archives. You can yes. download it from our website. And if you get the newsletter, the paper copy, you'll have it. You'll have it. You'll have okay. it twice. You'll have once in our newsletter Wonderful. and once in the first uh, Mary's Oblate letter. In many ways, it reminds me of uh, my own childlike Christmas with my mother, who is also with the Lord three and a half years ago. Um, it, it is like giving for me now in later years. I celebrate Christmas and I go back to those days as you what see? I knew as a child. How, how important, and, beloved, how important it is to instill yeah. tradition, meaningful tradition and um, uh, I, again identity into your children because that doesn't go away. Yes, and it is for me that for me Christmas it was not about the gift. We had three new clothes, one for Christmas Eve, one for Christmas Day Mass, and what which was midnight mass we went to as well and we come home had dinner and christmas morning mass and then one for new year's eve mass and that is the extent of gift or not even you know it's just uh, one of the things my mother implemented and did with us right because we have to always look good and go and praise alone well that's that very very wonderful nelly um, most of the world cannot do that but we in America, most of us can. So it's a wonderful yes. tradition. Dearest Nellie, I'm going to go on to our emails. Blessed and Merry Christmas to you all, and God be with you all. And you uh, too. Give me in prayers. God be with you. Love you. God bless you, dear Nellie. Merry Christmas and a good Holy New Year. 
There's the music for our uh, second break. We'll be right back. It's a short break, and I'll take your calls and your emails toll-free or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back, beloved. of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you. I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure trove, spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam. I am thrilled to be with you. Um, and we are going to take your calls and your emails right now. So, again, toll-free, the call is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
com. Did I say heart to heart? We are Mother Miriam Live. I don't remember what I said, but Mother Miriam Live. It used to be heart to heart with Mother Miriam. It's every once in a while I make that mistake. It's Mother Miriam Live. God bless you, beloved. We have an email from Kara. Kara says, what are your thoughts about international adoption, Mother? It seems as if every adoption story I've watched on YouTube involving children from China, Africa, Russia, among many other nations, always says something about how God called them to it. While I have no problem with that, I believe there is a much bigger problem in America, foster care. It seems as if we are supposedly stealing children from other countries while we feed the foster children in our country to the wolves. Well, that's quite a that's quite a statement, Kara. Uh, if if it's a normal international adoption, we're not stealing the children, um, nor are we feeding the foster children in our country to the wolves. That's a very general statement that uh, I think does not present a, a good picture or a true picture. Kara goes on to say, I'll be honest with you, and I don't think I can put it in any more mildly I don't think I can put it any more mildly than I just did. Well, you didn't put it too mildly. (laughs) But please correct me if I'm wrong to think this way. Why place money on an expensive international adoption when there are agencies on American soil that practically pay you to foster and adopt children? My husband and I used to foster domestic children of many ages, and we have adopted three of them. I honestly don't see how we can fix the problem of orphaned U.S. children if we don't teach parents their vocation. Now, hold on. The vocation of a parent, dear one, is not to adopt or to foster children. It is to raise a family. And um, if they're not able to have their own children, or even if they are, adoption is a wonderful thing. But they are not guilty if they don't adopt or foster children. Um, Kara continues, given our experience, what would I say to a friend who is considering adoption, especially if they consider an international adoption? Um, I would say to that friend, I will pray for you and let me know if I could be of any help. Um, What is the best way to discern which kind of adoption to go with? Thank you again for your advice and thoughts about adoption. Kara, I've worked for an orphanage. And I've worked for a halfway house. I've worked for um, a place in in my past years uh, where little babies are adopted. And I've worked where older children, 5 to 12 and then on to uh, 18, are foster, put in foster care. And some of them eventually adopted if the situation goes well. But... You cannot say, if people say God called us to it, you cannot tell them that God didn't call them to it. Um, uh, There's no no saying that we should adopt the children in our own country rather than internationally. It's a good thought to support our country, our America, our United States, our children. It's very good. I I don't put that down in the least, but... um, most parents do not feel led uh, or qualified or capable or, or I'll say, desirous of fostering children. Um, often, again, uh, 
when you foster children, they're generally older children, and most parents, understandably, really want to raise children as young as they can. Um, and um, if they foster newborns that perhaps are born from drug addicts or other uh, situations where the mother can't uh, care for them, uh, most often they're given back to their parents, and the foster care is a temporary situation. I've known people who have done that too, who have kept children for a month or two or a year or two and then given them back to their parents. All kinds of situations, Kara, absolutely not to judge. The issue is adoption or foster care of any child whatsoever. Um, and uh, I have a niece, a mag- magnificent, beautiful niece, who my brother and his wife adopted from Korea uh, at six months old. She is a magnificent, talented, beautiful young lady. Um, and they also fostered many young men and others before they uh, adopted her. So they've done both. Um, uh, in addition to having three uh, sons of their own, so you just cannot, um, you just can't judge anything of that. You just cannot, or try to convince Americans they should uh, uh, take children who are in foster care first. Uh, the needs are greater than we could ever, ever fathom or get to. And I would say to let God lead the couple, and they should not feel guilty if they uh, adopt international versus uh, taking a foster child in the U.S. um, at all. Let God lead people, Kara. If you were led to what you did, that's a wonderful thing, but it's not a should. We have an email from Megan who says, Mother Miriam, I have been greatly troubled by the state of society lately. It seems as if bullying bullying continues to happen in schools, workplaces, etc., because of the way we have been ill-taught by our elders. I am a recent high school graduate, and I am aware of the many circumstances of why people bully. They include but not are limited to the following. One, facing abuse from the hands of their peers, parents, or other adults, two, taking pride in their parents' wealth, three, having an unhealthy desire to be included. Those are three things, and probably, um, Megan, um, you and I could add more to that list. Megan says, given all these circumstances, I believe the ultimate reason why people bully is because they want worldly worth, and I find that unhealthy. Let me comment on that, dear Megan. They don't want worldly worth. They don't know that they could have any other kind of worth but what people think of them and their standing in the crowd and how popular they are and how much they are thought of, whether in a good or bad way. At least they get attention. Um, The world cannot give us worth. Only God can. Um, and the, but they haven't had that experience. Of course, it's unhealthy, but they seek it uh, because they don't. They haven't experienced anything else. Megan says, "How can we bring about conversion to those who sin this way, especially when they'll likely ask how they can have faith in a God who cannot, we cannot see? It is a hundred percent true that we can end the atrocities." 
of bullying with God's love, but I, like many other people, can easily be caught up with our own problems that we simply don't know what to say to these poor sinners. I'm I'm assuming you're saying as opposed to us poor sinners as well, these poor sinners, and we are poor sinners. All of us need a Savior. Megan says, thank you, and I appreciate the advice you give um, me and other people. Megan, dear one, um, uh, let's see, you say it's 100% true that we can end, we can end the atrocities of bullying with God's love. But I, like many people, can easily be caught up with our own problems. Okay, that's the problem, dear one. That's the problem, whether it's friends, strangers, parents, anybody else, teachers. We're caught up with our own problems, and we don't love. And we don't love. And the only way people can come to believe in a God they cannot see, because nobody can see God, the only way people can come to believe in a God they cannot see is to experience his love through us whom they can see. Um, John the Evangelist wrote in his, his letter to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, I believe. Uh, it's a verse I had trouble with, so I, I know it by heart. Where God himself, our Lord Jesus, says, you cannot love God whom you cannot see if you do not love your brother whom you can see. You see? So we say we love God, but we don't love our brother or the bully or whoever it is. Then we don't love God, you see? And they'll begin to know if they are loved, they know they're not worthy of anything. They know they're not worthy of being loved. They know that. They've been taught that. And if we love them, unconditional love, they'll begin to believe that there's a God who loves us unconditionally, though we cannot see him. That's the only way, regardless of their background, regardless of their upbringing, of their lack, of whatever it is, bullying will end if we love, if we take an interest in those bullies and we ask them, who they are, what they're about, what their love is, what their dreams are, uh, if we get involved in their life and make them feel special because we will drop our interests and spend time with them. We have an email from Mary who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I am a homeschooling mother. Once a week we gather with a Christian homeschooling group. Now I'm going to guess you you mean non-Catholic Christian. Once a week, we gather with a Christian homeschooling group, and they say the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by the Pledge to the Christian Flag, which states the following, quote, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood, uniting all mankind in service and in love, end quote. She says, I know that it originated from a Protestant man, but that it claims to be non-denominational. Do you think it is right for Catholics to make that pledge? Thank you, and, and God bless you. Absolutely not. We don't pledge allegiance to a Christian flag. We worship Christ. That's it, not to a flag. We do not pledge allegiance to a Christian flag. There is no such thing as a Christian flag, and the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. No, we are, we are a legion. We pledge allegiance to the Savior, not to a flag that represents the Savior. One brotherhood, no, no, 
uniting all mankind in service and in love is not true. It's not true because all mankind is not under Christ. It should be. He died for all, but that's um, that's a false ecumenism. I would not get together with that Christian uh, homeschooling group at all. If you're Catholic, I would not get together with them at all. I would find Catholic homeschooling mothers and get together with them and bring Catholic prayers and bring Catholic hymns and call... Um, Catholic homeschooling programs and ask them for guidance on that. We have an email from Edward and Marie who write, Dear Mother Miriam, we are a family with five daughters living in Italy and we would simply love to find the beautiful booklet Modeling Modesty you describe in your show. I have a copy of it. Oh dear. Uh, Here. I'll I'll put it, let me see if I can put it up on the screen. You know, I've been looking at it. I've been looking for it since I, oh, no, that was the man who was really Santa Claus. I'm sorry, I don't have it with me. Um, You know, I've had a number of people write me. It seems to be out of print. Um, If you'll send me your address, I'll mail it to you because I have a few, but I don't even think I have 10. So I'm not able to give them out on a wide scale. But, um, you know, one day maybe I'd like to try to reprint it. It doesn't seem to be printed anywhere. Um, The homepage you mentioned does not seem to be active anymore. I can't find the book anywhere. Um, There's only a similar-sounding book with a different author but not yours. Can you help us find a place on the Internet where we can order it? Thank you very much for your help, for your fantastic show, which my wife listens to every day. Best greetings from Rome. What a thrill this is to hear from you from Rome. Um, Email us. um, um, You can go on to, uh, well, you can email mother at uh, thestationofthecross.com. Send an email, and in the email say, Mother asked that I send this with my address. And so that she could send me the booklet on modeling uh, modesty and uh, ask Station of the Cross. They will forward it to me. Absolutely, they will do that. And I'll be happy to send you a copy. I think that's going to bring our supply to eight. So we don't have very many. Um, and I'm going to keep looking to see if it could be reprinted. God bless all of you. A blessed Christmas Eve. Stay out of the stores. I know Christmas Eve is last-minute shopping for so many, but I beg you, don't do it. Don't do it, beloved. Stay home with your family. Go to Christmas Eve Mass. Um, Make some hot chocolate and read um, beautiful Christmas stories. Read the Gospel of Luke as a family. Um, Celebrate Christmas, a Christmas that is worthy of the Christkind. The Christ child. God bless you.